Let me go ahead and give a couple of disclaimers today. Some of you will agree with some of what I say today. Some of you will agree with nothing that I say today. But I believe the Bible will agree with everything that I say today. And I'm going to overload you with scripture today. If you're a first-time guest today, I'll go ahead and tell you I'm going to feed into every stereotype you've ever had of every pastor in every church. And I do not apologize for that. I don't think it's any secret that we are in crazy financial times. They say the average American on perishable goods is spending $550 a month more between gas prices and groceries and all the different things. Money is getting tighter by the moment, and it just appears that there really is no end in sight for the foreseeable future. If you want to get depressed real, real quick, go check out the news. I was reading this week, because this is so good for my mental state, you know. I was reading about the railroad worker strike that's about to happen. And they were talking about how we haven't even seen high prices if that happens. And it's a stressful time. The reality is most of us, most of America... I think I saw over 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. There is no extra money as prices go up. Employers are not paying more as prices go up. And so what we're doing this month is, is I'm teaching you probably the most practical series that I can teach you. People get funny when the preacher talks about money, but the reality is this book talks all about money. This book talks all about finances. Matter of fact, if you were to go break down all the teachings of Jesus Christ, you would see over 15% of the teachings of Jesus Christ were about finances. He taught more about finances than he did prayer, evangelism, and faith combined. Because I believe Christ knew that our stumbling block, our idol, our man-made God would be finances. There won't be a lot of amens today. There won't be a lot of laughter today. Matter of fact, most of you will tune me out about five minutes into the message today. I've been doing this gig a long time. I know how it works. But all the 5% who listen, you will have your lives changed throughout this series. Because the quickest way to exit recession road is to know how to manage your finances. When you're managing your finances instead of your finances managing you, there's freedom as everything around you is falling apart. I told you last week, we talked about the foundational root of money. We talked about what money does for us. We talked about how the Bible, people love to say that that money is the root of all evil, and the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money. But money is a tool. It's a valuable tool. It allows us, until we get our finances in order, we'll never live the lives that we dream of living. We also said last week that most of us don't have a money problem. We have a spending problem. Very simply, we spend more than we make. And the Bible talks about that. 
I even told you last week the topics that we were going to cover during this series. We're going to talk about how you begin to eliminate debt in your life because the large majority of people in this crowd today are massively in debt. You've spent your life buying things you didn't need to impress people you don't even like. You think you deserve certain things, and what you've done in the process is is you've got yourself in debt. And now as the recession starts to hit and money begins to get tight, you begin to get tense because you owe everybody because you financed everything from your couch to your car. I actually was on a t-shirt company website the other day going to buy a t-shirt from this company. The t-shirt was $25. I went to check out. I went to pay the $25 and this option pops up. Would you like to finance the t-shirt for four payments? It's 25 damn dollars. So out of curiosity, I went down the rabbit trail. To see what I had to do to finance this t-shirt. OBTW, if you have to finance a t-shirt, you don't need it. When it was all said and done, over those four payments, I would have bought that t-shirt for $62. And here's the deal. It's an option because people are doing it. And then we wonder why when money gets tight, we get tense. People are stressed about money. I get it. But we're spending more than we make. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. And yet we keep swiping the card and charging it, thinking, man, we won't worry about it today, but then tomorrow comes and we don't know what to do. So throughout this series, I'm giving you practical things. We're actually going to talk the last week of this series about how to invest your money because here's the reality. Once you get out of debt... You need to learn how to make your money make you money. And here's the amazing thing. This book talks about that. That's what's so great about this book. It has the answer to whatever question you're asking. Let me go ahead and also tell you, for those of you that are going to bow up and be Billy Bad-A today and get an attitude and think that I feed the stereotype, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you for not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So take it up with God. Some of you walked in, I watched you today. You had looks on your face. Some of you first-time guests, and I'm not picking on you today, but I'm going to speak the truth. I hope you know I'm speaking. You came in looking for a reason not to like it today. And I'm going to give you every reason there is. I told you that in one of the messages, and I also told you I wasn't going to tell you which one it was, that I was going to talk about the reason God blesses us with money is where we can impact the kingdom of God by giving. But I said, I'm not going to tell you what sermon that is because when I tell you, you won't show up. And so I began to listen last week. And I actually heard people talking. It's probably going to be the last week of the series. And here's the funny thing. It was the last week of the series until this week. (laughs) I'm going to be real honest with you. The reason so many people are struggling financially is, number one, they don't know how to manage their money. And number two, they're selfish with their money. The Bible says this in Luke 16, 10, and again, you can't take it up with me, take it up with God. Whoever can be trusted with very little 
will also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We talked last week about the, the Lord who gave the three servants different amount of money and two of them came back when it was time to collect the money and they had doubled their money. And the one said, man, I was scared of him so I just put it in the ground where it could be safe. And the Lord got mad at the servant who just kept the money safe and he gave that money to the one who had doubled the money. God blesses you to be a blessing. And when you learn how to manage your money biblically, your life will be changed by that. Where's David Wester? David Wester, because I know you got it. You got a $100 bill on you. Can I have that $100 bill? Just real, just real quick. Real quick. Just real quick. $100. It's just an illustration. Just an illustration. Is that a real hundred? Maybe. Thank. Oh, you just go. He just walking away. He didn't even know if I needed it for how long. Put that in my pocket for a minute. I ain't used to walking around with a hundred in my pocket. I feel like one of them prosperity preachers, them TV preachers. So you know I'm talking about getting me a helicopter where I can fly everywhere. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever's dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. What you going to do with that hundred? I don't know. I had an illustration, but now I'm thinking, he says, he walked away, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be real honest with you. I used to dread sermons like this. And if you've attended this church long, you know I very rarely teach sermons like this because I never want to fit the stereotype of other pastors. We do church for those who don't do church, and we understand there's stigmas that come with church. I don't think the stigmas are always true, but perception is reality and people believe what they believe. But also at 46 years old and doing this since I was 21 years old, I've realized that it is my job and the Bible says I'll give an account for what I teach you. This book is not the golden corral. You don't get to go pick and choose what you want off of it. It's not a book of suggestions. It's a book of principles. Don't miss this. It's not things you have to do. God's not going to force you to do them. But they're things that when you do, God's going to bless. And so many times in our life, whether it's our marriage or our relationships or our career or our finances, and we step back and they're not going like we want to do, I guarantee you they're not lining up with biblical principles. We keep doing what we've been doing and wondering why we keep getting the same thing. So the reality is today, some of you that are in bad financial mess are going to get upset with me today. But the reality is you need to step back and ask yourself, why are you always in a financial mess? Obviously, what you're doing, Mr. Know-it-all, is not working. So at the end of the day, what do you have to lose to try something else? Because the reality is you're still broke. The reality is this. As your money goes, you go. As your money go, you go. This week is probably the most spiritual of all the messages in this series we're going to teach because it's game-changing. And we're going to talk about the T word that nobody wants to talk about in church. We're going to talk about tithing today. And some of you are not going to like that we're talking about that. That's okay. I'm going to teach it anyway because the Bible teaches on it and the Bible teaches very clearly. And I need you to understand something today. Whether or not you choose to practice this principle today has no bearing on me. 
There can be a $100,000 offering coming to the church. That doesn't go to my pocket, contrary to popular belief. I have my own companies, and I work for myself outside of this church. So I don't need to preach this message because I can't pay the bills. So whether or not you choose to follow these principles doesn't affect me, but oh my, it will affect you. It will change your outlook on life. The tithe, people get freaked out when you talk about the tithe. They actually interchange the word tithe and giving, but they're not the same thing. They'll say, I tithe a little here. I tithe a little there. I tithe when I can. The problem is the tithe is a very specific principle. The Hebrew word literally means a tenth. A tenth. Ten percent. It means if you have $100 and you tithe, you tithe $10. You don't tithe $7, that's not a tithe. You gave $7, and that's okay. But the Bible talks about tithing. When I was a new Christian, I didn't really understand this principle. The, pre- the preacher got up and he talked about tithing, and I had to give 10%. I thought, that's awesome. And I went down to the Christian bookstore, and I took 10% of my income. I bought a bunch of CDs and a bunch of shirts. Remember CDs, anybody? Yeah. Bought a bunch of shirts and bought a bunch of things and said, man, I tithe. That's not tithing. That's called shopping. Hmm. There's a big difference. So what is tithing? I'm going to teach you this principle because it's game-changing today. The first thing you need to understand today is tithing is simply returning. Everybody say returning. Come on, I know it's a white church, but let's get a little solar. Let's say returning. returning. Yeah, that's better. Very simply, the first 10% of everything you have, back that up, 100% of everything you have is God's. But we give 10% back to him. Look what the Bible says in Leviticus 27. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, or fruit, from the trees. You never say they didn't necessarily deal with cash in those times. Their income was these things, grain. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, or fruit, from the trees, belongs to the Lord. What's a tithe? It's a tenth. You cannot debate it. That's literally what the word means. That's what it means. The Bible says a tenth of everything belongs to the Lord. And then the Bible says it is holy to the Lord. That word holy means it's set apart. It's different. It means it's designated for another purpose. The tithe is set apart. It's holy. It has a specific reason for it. Now, notice what I said. I said tithing is returning. I didn't say tithing is giving. It's returning. And i got to be very technical here. I have a very technical wife who says I say some things sometimes, and, and, and she doesn't understand what I mean, so I want to be very technical today. Everything we have is God's. And we return it back. It's returning. Don't miss this. You're not giving it because it already belongs to God. Kind of like that $100 I got from David. I called David this week and told him, I'm going to give you $100. And I'm going to ask for the $100. He didn't give me his $100. 
He gave me my $100. Now, if I was like God, I'd have been like, David, just give me $10. I'm going to give you 100 All you got to do is give 10 of it back. That would have been an expensive illustration. So, not God, Gary, you give 100 back. But it was my 100 all along. He gave me what was mine. Scratch that. He returned what was mine. The tithe is returning what God gave to you. I worked for that money. No, God gave you that job. It's God's. God gave it to you. Hmm. He trusts us with his resources. And he said, I want you to take the first 10% of what I give you, and I want you to set it apart, and I want you to return it. Second thing is this. Tithing is giving God my first and best. Don't miss this. So he can bless the rest. Proverbs 3. I'm going to back everything up with Scripture. Not Gary's opinion. Scripture. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. Then, he says, do this. Then this will happen to you. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. It's returning the first and the best to God. And when I put God first, God blesses me in every other area. And I'm going to talk about this more later. And I'm going to give you an illustration that I've given many times here. But my daughter taught me this illustration. She's 21 now. She taught me this illustration when she was about six years old. Someone said, can't you think of a new one? I don't need to think of a new one. It's that good. When I give back to God, when I return to God what was his all along, the supernatural steps in it, he begins to bless me in ways that I can't explain. So why should I tithe? Besides the fact that the Bible talks about it, why should I tithe? I can already tell some of you are like, I'm here on this Sunday. It's tense today. When you're on stage, it's tense right now. See, a couple of you with locked jaws and your heads cocked back. Some of you on Facebook right now. You should have just stayed home. I never understood why you come to church to stay on Facebook the whole service. Seems weird to me. You're just doing your duty? Well, welcome. Today you get to learn about tithing. And the Bible says for him to know what to do good and do it not, it is sin. So now I'm going to teach you about it. I'm going to show you what God says about it. So if you choose not to do it, guess what? You're in sin. Now let me also clarify this. I don't know who gives to this church anything. Since before we were a church, we've had an outside company that handles all that. So if you choose to never give, guess what? I don't, I don't care because I don't know. It doesn't affect me. God provides through the people of this church. He provides. So why should we do this? I'm just trying to teach you. First of all, tithing provides for God's work through the church. Don't miss this. It provides for God's work through the church. 
To put it bluntly, when you tithe, when you return to God what was his all along, it funds the church. The local church is what Christ left here to carry out his mission. Christ gave his life, the Bible says, for the church. He loves the church. We are the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus. And unfortunately, in a lot of churches, we're doing a very poor job of that. All the church cares about is my money. Yes, as you can tell, around this beautiful place, we're all about your money. We meet in the ghetto of Canton because we're all about your money. We have black curtains set up that are about to fall over because we care about your money. You sit in the most uncomfortable chairs in the world because all we care about is your money. So let's eliminate all your excuses. And really boil down to you don't trust God and you're selfish. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. Christ says, I love the church. And we should love the church because the church carries out his mission. The Bible says the church is the hope of the world. It's not government's job to do what government does. It's the church's job. People are hungry. The church ought to be meeting those needs. The Bible says we're here to take care of the widows and the orphans. That's not the government's job. It's the church's job. <laughs> Don't miss this, though. But you know why the church can't do it? I know this is hard for you to understand. It takes money to do those things. And as people are selfish, did you know the statistics say that only 2% of people who attend church tithe? We tip, we give, but a tithe is 10%. If the church in America was to start tithing, did you know that we could eradicate homelessness? We could get rid of children having no parents. We could fund it all. But we're selfish. (laughs) And we're broke. Never met a generous giver. Excuse me, I've never met a broke giver. Never met a broke giver. Never. But broke people are always the most selfish. Why are we broke? Because you hold back from God. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, listen, tithing provides for God's work. So back that up with Scripture. Here we go. Bring the whole tithe. 10%. The whole tithe. Don't miss this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I'm going to tell you about this in a minute. That there may be food in my house. (laughs) Check this out. He says, test me in this. Did you know this is the only place in the Bible that God tells us to do something that he comes back and says, test me? Because he knew we would immediately put up a block. He says, test me. See if what I tell you doesn't work. Here's my commitment to you. Don't come up to me because I don't know who gives what. Go up to my wife. She'll make sure the financial person in our church that's an outside company knows this. You come up today and say, man, we want to try tithing for the next 90 days. You tithe for the next 90 days, and it doesn't work. I'll give you every bit of money you tithed over the last 90 days right back to you. I'll have Heritage Business Solutions cut you a check. Now what's your excuse? 
He says, test me in this. If you're being kind of arrogant, I'm not being arrogant. I'm saying, let's live out what God says. Test him. You're broke now. I can't pay my bills now. How can I do that? Right, you can't pay your bills now. You think the mortgage company cares if you're $200 behind or $100 behind, you're behind. They're tacking interest onto it every time. So what do you got to lose? He says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse and maybe food in my house, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blood. He says, test me. He says, and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven on you. He says, I'm going to step in where the natural doesn't make sense, and I'm going to bless you in the supernatural. He says, bring the whole tithe, not part of it, into the storehouse. Now, you can go do your research, and you can study out the storehouse. You can go to the most conservative theologians out there, to the most liberal theologians. The storehouse in the Old Testament is an illustration of the local church. In every town, there was a storehouse. That's where they stored up the food, the grain, the stuff that was needed. That way when famine hit, that way when hard times hit, people went to the storehouse and they were fed. It's the local church. The tithe, I'm not trying, the tithe comes to the local church that you're part of. Someone told me one time, they said, I just don't trust to give the money to this church. And I said, awesome, I get it. Then you probably should find another church. Well, you're throwing me, I said, no, 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 I'm not throwing you out. But why would you go to a church where you don't trust them with the money? Go to a church where you can trust the mission of that church with your finances. I'm not mad about that. Tell me what you're looking for in vision, and I'll help you find that church. I want you to be happy because it's all about you. That's what the whole book says, not. Storehouse. The Bible says bring the whole tie to the storehouse. In other words, when you tithe to the work of God through the church, the church moves forward. It provides God's work in the church. We got little chatty caddies around here. I hear everything. I hear everything. We're not doing the food pantry this next month. And oh, someone said, it's going to be hard for them to get up on stage and say all the money goes to the community when we're not doing it. Let me give you reality. We're not doing it because there's no money to do it because the people in the church aren't giving. So when there's zero and zero goes to it, that's all of it. So stop your gossiping. Some of you, I'm going to be honest with you, it's you females in this particular instance have nothing better to do than gossip all the time because you're so negative. And the funny thing is I'm not going to, but I guarantee if I pulled your giving record, you're not giving. Oh, you might be giving, but you ain't tithing. Not a lot of amens today. But the truth hurts. And at 10 years... I've earned the right to speak the truth to you because I'm speaking the truth to you because I love you and I want to see God bless you. I told you last week, I didn't say it in a bragging way. I didn't say it in an arrogant way. I told you that my wife and I moved $10,000 from our accounts into the church account to make sure the bills got paid around here. So trust me, ain't nobody getting richer. It cost us money to do this church. 
All them little side ventures I do that all you complain about all the time, that he's not devoted to the church, those side ventures have paid the rent around here many, many times. But guess what? I'll keep on doing it because God blesses. You can't outgive God. You can't do it. Some of you are too scared to take that step. That's probably why you're broke. I'm proud of this church. I think that this church, let me brag on you because I beat you up a little bit. This is a no-frills church. Every church has a different vision, so I'm not bashing other churches, but our goal is not to have 50 acres out in the rich part of town and build a $5 million building. It's not what we want to lock the money up into. I'm proud that everything that comes in here goes back into serving people. I'm proud that it provides for a building that the homeless can sleep in during the winter. I'm proud that we're over here Friday night having an event, and I walked next door, and there was 93 people in an AA meeting over there. 93. All under 35 years old. I'm proud that this building has a parking lot that Bethesda Community Clinic can set up in and serve people. I'm proud that this building, as much as it makes me want to bash my head against the wall, the one I pull into the parking lot and there's cots along the sidewalk that the homeless feel safe to sleep out here on this sidewalk. Because they know they'll be taken care of. They know that when I get here, we'll unlock the doors. They can come in, wash their face, clean up, at least get something cold to drink. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud that come Thanksgiving, we will feed. I don't know how many the number is this year. I haven't decided. But we're going to give Thanksgiving dinner to, at a minimum, 1,000 people this year. Let me back that up. Maybe 500. Nah, we'll do 1,000. Someone said, how are we going to do that? There's no money. It's God's problem. I'm proud at Christmas that there won't be a kid in this church that goes without Christmas because of the generosity of the church. You're awesome. I'm bragging on you. So don't take it I'm just beating up on you. But that's the problem. We live in a society where people only want to tell the good anymore. I went to my son's football game yesterday. They should have destroyed this team. They're undefeated. And it was tight and it was close. And these kids have such enabling parents who coddle them so much. The kids are on the sideline. The refs, the refs. Oh my God, the refs. They're in fifth grade. Shut up. They scored a touchdown. It was the first time they'd been scored against all year. They go into panic mode. This one little kid starts smarting off to the refs. Gets a penalty flag thrown on him. I may or may not have lost it at that point. I told the coach, I said, coaches, get your team in line. That's undisciplined right there. But I wasn't surprised. You know what? I hope the dad's watching this sermon. Because I watched this kid whine throughout every practice, and his dad coddled, who's one of the coaches, every practice. And I watched him smart off to his dad throughout every practice. So why wouldn't he do it in a game? Hold on, there's a point to my sermon. So in the middle of the game, I didn't say anything. The kid's not my kid. I would never in a million years say anything to that kid. I told the coaches, get the team in control. Middle of the game, the coach comes up to me. Hey, I said, yeah, you really hurt my son's feelings. I'm looking around. I'm thinking I'm on candy camera. I I said, what do you mean? Well, when he got that, I said, oh, when he got the penalty for smarting off to the ref and you didn't do anything about it? Well, his feelings are hurt. I said, well, I'm not shocked. You caught him all practice, so it carried over to a game. 
See, we're all only hearing the good things. So we go into shock when the... I'm not mad today. Let me make that clear. If you think I'm mad, you don't know me. You know why? Because I understand these principles. I see the blessing in my life. But I have the right to sometimes not to be all happy, cheery, geary, funny, geary. Because I want to see your life changed. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you thriving. Someone who they said, man, you're just always winning. I said, well, I'm not always winning. I do things that, that lose a lot. But guess what? Overall, I'm winning. I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. My wife the other day said, what were you dreaming about last night? I said, I don't know. She goes, well, you were making some sounds. I said, I don't remember. She said, well, you was having a good time. It better have been with me. <laughs> it was. I don't, I don't remember what they were. I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. I love life. So please hear me. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to help you. But you need to hear the truth. You don't just need to be coddled all the time. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. People say, we ought to have a garage sale in the parking lot. We're the church. We're not going out and begging for money. We're not selling donuts on the corner. God's people provide for the work of the church. That's what the Bible says. Put that verse back up, Xander. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this. What do you got to lose? He says, test him. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessings. Then you'll have room enough to store. So number two, it teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy 14.23 says the purpose of tithing is to, all, to teach you to always put God first in your life. I don't understand the Bible. It's complicated. Well, let's look at this. The purpose of tithing. The reason we tithe is to teach you, the tither, to put God first in your lives. It's not complicated. You want it to be complicated because you don't want to do it. <laughs> Matter of fact, I would argue... That there's few more tangible measurements of where you are in your relationship with God than your finances. Show me your ledger, and I'll show you what matters to you. Show me what you spend money on, and I'll show you what matters to you. It's the tangible evidence of what comes and what is important to us. God says, I want to be first. We have church on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's putting God first with our week. The Bible talks over and over and over about rising up early and spending time with God. Why? Because God gets the first part of our day. He said, bring the first fruits. God gets the first of everything. It puts God first. That, that means before the house payment, before the car payment, before we eat. Well, I can't afford to do that. I'm going to show you an illustration here in a minute. Don't, don't worry. Gary, for, for me to do that, I'd have to stop buying things all the time. Yeah. I know, I know that 72nd pair of shoes, you really need them. Gary, I'd have to massively change my life. Yeah. Put God first. You never go wrong putting God first. One thing you know about me is I don't handle the money around here. Some of you come up to me after the service and say, hey, I forgot to put this in. I'm like, oh, I don't touch the money. Go find so-and-so. They touch the money. 
They touch the money, I don't touch it. Here's the reason why, because one time someone came to me and gave me $25. said, hey, we put this away. I said, sure. Not thinking, stuck it in my pocket. About three weeks later, I'm at the store, not thinking. Go to buy some ice cream because I like ice cream. I reach in my pocket. I said, oh, there's money. I pay for the ice cream. I'm driving home, and suddenly I'm like, oh, because I don't ever have cash. I'm like, oh, where'd that money go? Oh, I was supposed to put that in the offering. And I just bought ice cream with it. And I went home, and I ate my stolen ice cream. <laughs> I ate my stolen ice cream. He said, what do you mean stolen? Because it was for God. And I stole it. You stole it? It seems a little hardcore. Well, look let's see what the Bible says. Remember the whole Bible thing? It said, will a mere mortal rob me? Rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes. This is really going to choke some of you because I'm not even going to go this deep today. And offerings. Tithes the minimum. I'll be honest with you. I actually have lied to you this sermon. I can't remember the last time I've tithed. I can't remember the last time I just gave 10%. Because you can't outgive God. See, we come and we bring tithes to the church. Then offerings are when you see needs. And God convicts your heart. I want to impact that. I want to give that. Then you give offerings. But you're not ready for that yet. How are you robbing me in tithes and offerings? He says, you're under a curse. You're under a curse because you're robbing him. That's why you're broke. That's why you don't have fulfillment in your life. That's why you don't have purpose in your life. <laughs> I already hear the arguments from some of you that know a little bit about Gary, you sure are using a lot of the Old Testament. Oh, well, let's go to the New Testament. You need to understand something, though. The tithe was actually written before the law even came, which is the Old Testament. But Jesus mentioned the tithe. That's the New Testament. Here's the problem. Here's why you don't want to deal with the New Testament. The New Testament always takes the principles of the Old Testament a whole nother level. The Old Testament said don't commit adultery. The New Testament said don't even look at them lustfully. You want to get into the New Testament? Okay. Look what it says in Matthew. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is Jesus. This is JC. These are them red letters in your Bible. Meaning Jesus is talking here. Talking to the religious. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You are hypocrites. He said you give a tenth of your spices, because that's what they gave, a tenth. Mint, dill, cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have, don't miss this. You should have practiced the latter. He said you should be practicing justice, mercy, faithfulness without neglecting the former. He said, you ought to be giving. You ought to be tithing. But in their mind, tithing was just the end all. He said, no, you ought to be tithing and having a heart for justice, a heart for mercy, a heart for faithfulness. You ought to tithe and be doing all these other things. <laughs> so the Old Testament talks about it. The New Testament talks about it. <laughs> Old Testament says don't murder. New Testament says, if you have hatred in your heart, it's like committing murder. New Testament always rises to the Old Testament. So the tithe, what does it do? It provides for the work of God through the church. It teaches me to put God first. And I think most importantly, number three, tithing builds my faith in God. I trust God. 
God's going to provide. You know why? <laughs> because I watch him do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. When I'm faithful, I get to watch God do his thing. If you were to sit down with me over a cup of whiskey right now, or a glass of whiskey, because I don't do coffee. Someone says, hey, we go to the coffee shop now. I don't, I don't, go, I don't drink coffee. You said, I just right now I'm struggling. I don't have a lot of faith in God right now. First question I'm going to ask you, are you a tither? And they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm talking about my faith. But are you a tither? And chances are that person's always going to say no. Because when you tithe, it builds your faith. Look what it says. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. He says, test me. I want you to build your faith. He said, bring the whole tithe, sit back, and watch me operate in your life. Don't believe me, God says? Give it a try. It's literally a money-back guarantee. It's the only place God says, test me. Yet we're so stubborn, we're so afraid. You know why? Because we've made money our God. It's the end all. We hold on to it tight. We don't let it go. I break it, it's gone. I break this hundred. We worship it. Instead of realizing it's a tool. But I have, a, I have some visions, Gary, and I have some dreams I want to live in. Listen, God's not anti you having nice things. God wants to bless you. He says, test me in this. See, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing... You won't even have enough to room to store it. God wants to bless you. When my daughter was six years old, we stopped at a convenience store. She asked if she could have a pack of M&Ms. And I bought her these M&Ms. She was so happy. This is back when she was cute and sweet. And we're driving down the road, and she's popping them M&M's like they're crack. I said, hey, baby girl, can I have some M&M's? She looked at me, that little cute face, chocolate's on her face. It's on her hands because M&M's are liars. They do melt in your hands, not just your mouth. And she said, no, mine. Okay. My daughter failed to realize some things. She failed to realize the only reason she had those M&M's is because I bought her those M&M's. She was six. She didn't have an income. She's still riding in a car seat at six. I chose to bless her with those M&M's. They weren't her M&M's. They're my M&M's. We tell our kids all the time, this ain't your house, this is my house. It's Christine's house. Emily's got a car. She thinks it's her car. That's cute, ain't it? But she paid for some of it. Keeps some of it. Title's in my name. It's our car. She gets to use it. See, Ashlyn didn't realize 
The reason she had them was because I gave them to her. Second thing Ashton didn't realize is she was six. I ain't saying I'm the baddest man in the land, but I can get some M&Ms from a kid. I could have pulled that car over and forcefully taken those M&Ms from her. No matter how hard she tried, she couldn't have stopped me from taking those M&Ms. The reality is God gave you what you have, and God will and he can take it back. You know, it's just weird. When I learned the principle of tithing, my refrigerator runs a little bit longer. The washer doesn't act up as bad. The car doesn't break down. God blesses along the way, but he can forcefully take it at any time. Third thing Ashlyn didn't realize. I wasn't a big baller at that time, but I did have a credit card. I could have turned back around and went in that gas station and pulled out my credit card. And I could have bought every pack of M&M's in that gas station. And I could have gave her more M&M's than she could have ever wanted in her life. I could have gave her enough M&M's that it would have made her sick to her stomach and me sick to my stomach. If I so chose to. That's a cute illustration, but is it not what we do with God? God says, I gave you everything. I just want you to give me ten, the first tenth back, a tithe back, where we can fund the work of the kingdom. And you're like, it's mine. And God said, no, that ain't yours. I gave it to you. And I'm going to prove I gave it to you because I'm going to take it away from you. If I so choose. Because he's God, he can take it from us. I've been there, I've lost everything. I went, literally, went from one week getting a $70,000 a year raise to literally eight days later being homeless. Got to take it from you. And then we don't realize that God, if we're faithful in it, will give us so much that we can't handle. But it doesn't make sense to me, Gary. It doesn't make sense. That's because we're greedy with our M&Ms. See, here's what we do. Here's life. And here's our M&Ms. And God blesses us with the... The party size. We only got so many M&M's. I don't know how many M&M's you got. Some of you got $30,000 or 30,000 M&M's a year. Some of you got 250,000 M&M's a year. Some of you are lucky to have 10,000. I don't know. It's not the, point. the principle's the same. And God says, I just want a tenth of it back. But here's what we do. God, I'll give you that tenth, but I got to pay the house payment first. And boy, houses are expensive right now. Houses are stupid expensive, right? Houses are crazy expensive. Like, that's the house. Really, house is about 50%. And then you think you think you need a $700 car payment a month. And so we give it, you know. And then your wife needs a car. And I like nice cars. And then we like to eat. And we got to eat, right? Right? Are you dead today? Or we like, like, I like to eat. Who doesn't like to eat? Got to eat. Now, 
At the Lamb House, we do this thing. We go to the store and buy all the groceries for the week and spend that money. And then we eat out all week. So that costs more money. And then we have these little spawns of Satan that run around. And they need new shoes. How many of you got teenage daughters or daughters at all that are over 13? Nails. And these shoes got to match this outfit. And they know how to carry. Sure. And then the boy, they want to play football. But football is expensive. Holy smokes, it's expensive. Like why? You're recycling that stuff every year. And then life just happens. You want to have a little bit of entertainment. You know what I mean? And then most men, you know, you want to take your wife on a date. So this is how most Take your wife on a date. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't even... Wait a minute! I forgot about the electric bill. And I just saw yesterday... Let's get depressed for a minute. They said the gas this winter will probably be five times what it was last year. Holy smokes! And then... What else do we got to do? Oh, doctor bills, which most of us, because we're so broke, we know they don't necessarily affect our credit score that bad, so we don't we pay like the minimum on it. And then we talk about God's work and... Oh, well, I wanted to tithe. Is that... I'm not trying to be mean. Does that look about right? Because, man, let's, I'm, not, I'm not beating you up. Life's expensive, isn't it? Hmm. But, but if you follow God's principle, look what he says to do. There's life. Got that part of size. So God's way is a little different. Okay? God says, you put me first. Not me, Gary. Me, God. So you put God first. Tenth. Okay, so that's God first. That's more than the one, right, that we just threw in a minute ago? Okay, but we still have the same bills, right? So the house payment, did, did we talk about how expensive house payments are? House payment, Who, who's bought a house recently? Oh, how, man, houses are expensive. And then, remember, you got to have that car. And Man, I just saw the other day the average car payment is $675 a month. So I like nice cars. So the car payment. And then Christine really likes nice cars. So there's that. And then there's that electric bill. And there's that gas bill. And there's the football bill. And, oh, the teenager bill. Teenage daughter. What would you just say? Oh, I forgot about groceries. Oh, and I forgot about eating out. Oh, and the water bill. I forgot all those things. But I put God first, but I'm out of money. Put that verse up. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. 
See, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. So God says, when you put me first, God has his own damn party bag. And he comes along and says, hey, I got you covered. Because you put me first. That's how it works. Phil hates this illustration. (laughs) He hates it. That's how it works. You just don't realize it. Because you're scared. Because money is your God. You hold on to it, you cling to it. You find yourself worth in the things that you have. And God's not anti-things. But God said, you're missing out. If you put me first, I'm going to come along. We think in the natural. And God operates in the supernatural. He comes along and says, bam, I got so many M&Ms, you don't know what to do. He comes along and says, hey, you know that other person over there? Remember the person last week that only got one thing and he buried it and they took it from him? So he says, hey, I take the blessings that I was going to give to these other people. They're too selfish. And I come along and I add more to it. And God just continues to bless and bless and bless. And you can't outgive God. I know, I have wore this story out. I know it, I understand it, but I can't help it. It's that powerful. I'm in the event business. I put events on for a living. I put on wrestling shows. I put on festivals. I put on more. The event business is what I do. COVID hit. All events went away. I know I've wore you out with the story, but it's that awesome. Kemp stands up. The night before I look at Christine, I said, man, we have more money in the bank than we've ever had. And I said, we have six huge events over the next six weeks. And the Friday before that first event, Kent gets up and he shuts down Georgia. And I meet with David and Sarah. I'm in panic mode. I'm sweating. We're, I'll never forget. It, it, one of those things that's seared in my brain of how God works. I just need to verbally vomit on someone. I was like, man, blah, 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 blah. I was trying to make David feel bad where he'd buy dinner. Because, you know, and, and so I was like, man, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. And I never, like, I expected these words of wisdom from David. And, like, here's what we're going to do. And blah, blah, blah. And he said, it'll work out. Okay. He said, God will provide. And I got in my car. And I looked at Christine. I'll never forget. I was like, we're going to be okay. And over the next year and a half, while the rest of the country wasn't hosting events anywhere and people were losing everything, and they literally event businesses were closing down and selling stuff, I made more money than I'd ever made in my life doing events. He <laughs> said, how? Well, I didn't say they were legal. <laughs> but doing events. Doing events. God came along in the supernatural because we kept being faithful. If I made $100 at a market... We gave 10. If I made 50, we gave 5. If I made 1,000, we gave 100. And God always provided. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. Yeah, I can. Bring the whole tide of the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this. And see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough to store it. 
I'm going to be real honest with you. I want you to look to your right. I want you to look to your left. A church this size ought to not be rolling in the dough. But a church this size ought to not be worrying about rent getting paid every month. Got a bunch of people that are robbing God. And he said, I thought we were going to do a series on finances and how to get it. We are. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to get out of debt. We're going to talk about how to invest money. Because when you implement these procedures, you're going to start investing money. I can give you example after example of people that follow these procedures, and you're going to get to that stage. But God blesses you to be a tool. When you learn to give, God just blesses. I got so many M&Ms now that Phil's going to come out and step on them. I got so many M&Ms now that I'm going to eat them while I'm preaching. Mind. Nah, baby, it ain't yours. God just lets you be a steward of it. And the reason you don't got any more than you got We looked at it last week. You're a poor steward of it. And God don't come around and give you more. Let's pray.